Hey everybody, I hope your Wednesday is going well. It's a chilly one outside. Um, that's the kind I like, but uh, maybe some of you don't, but that's alright. That's alright. I'm sure it'll be warm by the end of the week and you'll be happy. Um, we're going to be looking today at Acts chapter 5. If you have not had the opportunity to read that yet, take a little bit of time, push pause on your player, and and read Acts chapter 5. This is, this is a this is a fascinating chapter, and there's some things about it that we might not fully ever completely understand. Um, goodness, uh, there there is definitely some 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 ramification for sin, uh, specific sin uh, that we find in Acts chapter five, and the result of it was was shocking to the people then, and it's a little bit shocking to us still today. So we're going to dig into that just a little bit, and uh, and then see the fallout or the repercussions. Of a, of a pretty amazing event, um, and a, in a lot of ways a tragic event that took place um, early in the church. So again, if you haven't read Acts chapter 5, go ahead and do that, and um, give you a second, and uh, press pause. I'll give you just a second to give you time to do that, and we'll jump back to it. Okay, hopefully you've had time to read Acts chapter 5. If you do so, you will see right at the beginning that... Um, Probably chapter 5 shouldn't have started where it did because when you wrap up chapter 4, um, it goes in very well into chapter 5. And, and the, the chapters sometimes seem to kind of interrupt the, um, the flow of, of the text. Uh, regardless, when you look at the end of chapter 4, you're seeing what's taking place here is people out of, out of the kind of their, sort of their heart at the leading of the Holy Spirit. They are showing incredible acts of generosity. One is highlighted is the generosity of, of Barnabas. We're going to read a lot more about him. Um, this is kind of his introduction um, in the book of Acts, but we'll read a lot more about him um, in the Acts of the Apostles. So, um, But Barnabas sold some property, took that property, proceeds from those sales, put it to the feet of the apostles for distribution among the people of the church who were in need, and uh, that caught some attention. So there, as we go to Acts chapter 5, we see that there is a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know much about them beforehand, don't know much about them after. Their end is swift. Um, they do something similar. They go and sell a piece of property as well. Um, they take the money from the property uh, and try to hide the fact that they are keeping back some of it for themselves and saying that they are giving all the proceeds from the sale to the apostles to be distributed as as needed. Uh, the problem we have to understand here isn't that they kept some for themselves, it's that they lied. Um, that is that is the issue here. They lied um, to the apostles, more specifically, they lied to the Spirit of God, um, which... You try lying to someone who knows everything, that's not going to work out too well for you. Uh, long story short, they both paid for this sin with their lives. Um, this sin of dishonesty with God, dishonesty with the Holy Spirit. And we look at that and we're like, wow, man, that is that is some powerful repercussions, is it not? Just a moment, though, before we dig into that some, don't overlook Peter's role in this. Um, it is Peter, uh, it has at his feet as well with the rest of the apostles that the money is laid. Peter takes very much the role of God's prophet here. He sees into the heart of both Ananias and Sapphira. He knows what's taking place by the power of the Spirit of God. He pronounces not his judgment, but the judgment of God upon them, and the result of that judgment is death. 
Um, now, there is no execution here that it takes place at the hands of the apostles. This is death that takes place um, by the hand of God himself. Uh, and it is something, and, and we could sit here and debate as to, is man, why why are there times? Because there's people who, who do things that we might even see as worse than this, and how come they continue to live? Well, we probably don't understand completely the judgment of God, how it works in this world, and how it will work in the age to come. So, um, now a result to this is there is a great fear that comes over the whole church. You see that in verse 11, and which, I mean, that's kind of... Um, that's not that is very much to be expected with an event like this taking place and that is followed in verse 12 by something else it says at the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people and they were they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico which is a part of the temple and here is the interesting thing what you have here is fear and wonder and that is an incredibly incredibly powerful combination and the result of this and the work of God through his spirit and through the apostles and the rest of the followers now of Jesus is the number was of, of those of those believers is continuing to grow um, and there is fear amongst even those who aren't becoming followers of Jesus take a look um, at verse 13 it says this none of the rest dared to associate with them them meaning the apostles however the people held them in high esteem and all the more believers in the Lord multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number so the church is growing by leaps and bounds, and that once again catches the attention of the religious hierarchy in Jerusalem. They are jealous. Um, they see what's taking place, and the result of this is they arrest Peter and John. We see this happen again. It's happened once. Now it's happening again because they told Peter and John not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Of course, Peter and John continue to do so. So we see opposition take place. Now, this is this is kind of interesting to us. You see that God, there was sin taking place for Ananias and Sapphira, and God put an end to it immediately. And the question might be, why did God not put an end to the opposition? He could have. I mean, every member of that Sanhedrin could have breathed their last if that was God's desire. He is God. Here's the thing, though. We're going to see in the chapters to come that God would use this persecution to disperse his people and spread the message of the gospel. So throughout all of it, God is in control. All right, so all this being said, we have this opposition. Once again, Peter and John find themselves in front of the Sanhedrin, the religious high council, the religious high court there in the temple in Jerusalem. And once again, um, Peter does not hold punches. He just tells them, you're the one who killed Jesus. Um, he is alive, and it's through him that forgiveness of sins is available. Um, this infuriates, absolutely infuriates the council, and they are at, oh, it's, I mean, they are ready. I mean, it's says in verse 33 that they are cut to the quick and they wanted to kill Peter and John. Well, then we see a man by the name of Gamaliel kind of take center stage here for just a second. First of all, Gamaliel was the grandson of the great um, teacher of the law and interpreter of the law, Hillel. Uh, pretty important names here we're talking about in, in Jewish religious history. Now, Gamaliel was held up in the eyes of most people as a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy, he lived a moral code 
um, and he had a righteousness that a lot of others aspired to but did not reach. Um, not only that, this Gamaliel, not only is it the wisdom that he has, one second, the beeper's going off. All right, sorry about that. I am back. Um, this Gamaliel guy, a little bit more about him. He is um, hes also the guy who a man by the name of Saul uh, was taught and trained underneath as his rabbi. Now, we know this Saul by his name that he would later be given, Paul. Saul, Paul of Tarsus. Okay, um, there's a reason why Paul was so sharp, and the reason for that is because he trained underneath the teaching of Gamaliel. So Gamaliel speaks up, and he gives some words of wisdom that would have would have been really, really good for the Sanhedrin to know and to abide by. And they might have done it kind of, but they did not do it to the extent he told them to. So take a look at verse 38. This is Gamaliel speaking up. And he says this, he goes a little bit of recent history about people who tried to lead rebellions and those rebellions were crushed. And this is what he says, in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, meaning John, Peter, the rest of the apostles. He says, for if this plan is the action of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may be even found fighting against God. And I, in my old, my other Bible, I had something written in the margin just beside that, wisdom from fools, because this guy got it. He's one of these guys that you think, maybe this guy could actually, maybe he could learn and hear the truth coming through the message of the gospel. This guy seems to be pretty sharp and he gives some good advice now the council doesn't take his advice completely because he says leave him alone um they take peter and john he had they put them outside for this little powwow conference that gilmaliel had the rest with the council so they bring peter and john back in and they have them flogged and then they release them now here is an, a, another amazing thing about this chapter we want we do not want to overlook and it's this as peter and john once again warned not to speak any longer in the name of Jesus, and this time physically punished for it, they leave, and they leave feeling grateful, rejoicing that they had been deemed worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, wow, what an incredible attitude, an attitude that is so contrary to everything that this world abides by and believes in, and it is an attitude that only comes, only comes by the power, the influence, and strength of the Holy Spirit. So, um, quite a chapter. There's some amazing things happening there. Uh, next week, we'll take a look at chapter 6, and um, we're going to see a little bit into the practical life, day-to-day -day life of the apostles and the church. As the church is growing, it's creating some issues. Um, yeah, those are growing pains, all right? And those are good pains to have. So, um, as you look at chapter 6, I, I would encourage you to read it a few times before we come back together uh, next Wednesday. And um, then we will dive into it. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, you have a good rest of your Wednesday and the rest of the week. Thank you very much.